Welcome to the Liberated Citizen. Good evening, good morning, and good afternoon, whenever it is for you. What are we going to talk about during this episode? Free speech, anti-Semitism, hate speech. Growing up, uh, we're, we're going to run the gamut. Anyways, um, I've been having this discussion quite a bit recent days uh, with some friends, uh, people I, I share waiting rooms with, and uh, the, the it's interesting to, to see what people know about free speech or think they know about free speech. And so with my podcast, I'm always going to try and give you the facts before I start the discussion. And, and I find that this format of the clear separation of facts and opinion is best for everyone since it sets the table before we eat, so to speak. So what are we talking about? There's been an uptick in anti-Semitism across the country after Hamas initiated a brutal attack on Israel on October 7th, 2023. There's a lot of ignorance, misinformation, and disinformation concerning this conflict. But I'm not going to get into this during the podcast. It's nuanced. There, there's, uh, there's a lot of different emotions that get involved. Um, but I would like to go on record and say that whatever your viewpoints are, Israel has a clear record of attempting to resolve issues. They, they seek to find ways to move forward in this conflict and there really isn't a good answer with that being said this is a fact israel has been a um, a faithful and honest player in finding peace in, in proposing routes to peace they conducted their offense in their offensive into gaza after october 7th uh, a couple weeks afterwards uh gave warnings uh they've been uh, above and beyond when it comes to uh, respecting international law warfare. They, they've really tried to limit collateral damage, etc. And, and to be honest, they, they've shown more care for Palestinians than the duly elected Hamas government, which uses its population as human shields and seems to want to increase and maximize uh, civilian casualties. Hamas and the Palestinian Authority have proven to me not interested in peace or coexisting with Israel and the Jewish people. And I state this as fact because they've repeatedly walked away from peace talks, even when Israel's given them essentially everything they've asked for, except for one thing. That's, that's the condition that Hamas has asked for the, the, the dissolution of the state of Israel. And uh, Israel obviously is not going to do that. They have walked away from every single peace talk. So the, in my opinion, and in fact, is that they they want the destruction of Israel. That That is their goal. If you give someone everything else and they, they only, they, they walk away from the table from one issue, that tells you that that issue is the most important thing to them. And, uh, you know, if you're willing to sacrifice everything to achieve this goal, like, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. You're not interested in peace. So, Israel can't negotiate with a partner who only wants its existence to be erased. Uh, it's clear that the situation cannot be allowed to continue. You know, Hamas needs to be neutralized, if not destroyed. It's clear that if the status quo is restored to pre-October 7th conditions, Hamas is just going to use resources, humanitarian aid, uh, not for the benefit of their people, but to plan and mount future attacks against Jews in Israel. Moving forward on December 5th, 2023, there was a House Committee on Education and the Workforce. The session was titled Holding Campus Leaders Accountable in Confronting Anti-Semitism. 
So, you know, as I noted, anti-Semitism has been on the rise even before October 7th, but uh, post-October 7th, you can see uh, across the country, there, there's a definitive rise on attacks and anti-Semitic um, activity across the country. During this five-plus-hour hearing, the presidents, presidents of Harvard, UPenn, and MIT were giving testimony about the issues that they were encountering on their campuses. Uh, Claudine Gay is the president of Harvard. Uh, Elizabeth McGill is the president of the University of Pennsylvania. Of note, she resigned as of 9 December due to mounting pressure and calls for her resignation and firing uh, from alumni and donors. It's you know very likely that she resigned in, in advance of being fired. Uh, and then finally, Sally Kornbluth is the, the president of MIT. Uh, so during this hearing, they showed footage from all campuses that highlighted pro-Palestinian marches and events where intifadas explicitly shouted. In an exchange, uh, they're going to talk a little about the intifada, but I, I did some my own research. And, uh, you know, for some, intifada means something nefarious. But, uh, at its most basic translation, um, in, and in Arabic, it, it means literally to shake or shake off. Um, and in this context, the, the greed translated meaning was a civil uprising. So where it takes on the negative connotations uh, where people start to have some real issues with this word intifada is uh, that the words also used to describe periods of intense Palestinian activity against Israel, which mainly takes the form of terrorist activity, uh, violent terrorist attacks. The word gets misused is when they talk about intifada, it, you have to listen to the context in these chants. You have to look at the context of who's saying it, but most often it definitively seems to be used in the context that is calling for violent uprising against the Israeli state. So, and then uh, you'll hear about it in the video. There, there's sometimes calls to globalize the Intifada, which opens the lens to Jews everywhere. and makes it more aligned with genocide and not just strictly um, the, the state apparatus of Israel. Opening statements from the presidents seem to go well. They now acknowledge that anti-Semitism, intimidation, and harassment is a problem. They acknowledge the dangers of allowing anti-Semitism to go unchecked. They now acknowledge the fear, emotions, and vulnerability of their Jewish students. They also brought up the balance of free speech and free exchange of ideas, but they drew definitive lines when it comes to incitement of violence, safety, and well-being, referencing their bullying and harassment policies. Uh, so despite their commitments and words above, congressional representatives brought up numerous instances where it did not seem that the schools were enforcing universal standards and seemingly allowed discrimination and anti-Semitism to proliferate. So for the purposes of this, this podcast, uh, I'm going to focus on one particular exchange between Republican Elise Stefanik and President Gay. And it, this exchange has been highlighted on media, media outlets for, for the past week. Um, and uh, this exchange occurred after Representative Stefanik asked the president very directly if calls for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and, and harassment. And Stefanik makes it clear that she's looking for a yes or no answer, uh, unequivocal. And Ms. Gay tried to give a nuanced answer that, is, that indicated only a violation of the speech becomes conduct or depends on context. Um, so whenever possible, I'm going to try to, I'm going to, I'm going to show this to you. So let's take a look and listen to what was actually said during this two minute exchange. Dr. Gay, a Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African-Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? Our commitment to it's free speech. It's a yes speech. or no question. Is that corrected? Is that okay for students to call for the mass murder of African-Americans at Harvard? Is that protected free speech? 
our commitment to free speech It's a yes or no question. Let me ask you this. You are president of Harvard, so I assume you're familiar with the term intifada, correct? I've heard that term, yes. And you understand that the use of the term intifada in the context of the Israeli-Arab conflict is indeed a call for violent armed resistance against the state of Israel, including violence against civilians and the genocide of Jews. Are you aware of that? That type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. And there have been multiple marches at Harvard with students chanting, quote, there is only one solution, intifada revolution, and quote, globalize the intifada. Is that correct? I've heard that thoughtless, reckless, and hateful language on our campus, yes. So based upon your testimony, you understand that this call for intifada is to commit genocide against the Jewish people in Israel and globally, correct? I will say again, that type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. Do you believe that type of hateful speech is contrary to Harvard's code of conduct, or is it allowed at Harvard? It is at odds with the values of Harvard. Can you but not say here that it is also, against the code of conduct at Harvard? We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, does that speech not cross that barrier? Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews and the elimination of Israel? When you testify that you understand that is the def definition of intifada. Is that speech, speech according to the code of conduct or not? We embrace a commitment to free expression and give a wide berth to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, you and I both know that's offensive. not the case. You were aware that Harvard ranked dead last when it came to free speech. Are you not aware of that report? So, as you can see, during this exchange, she repeatedly cites Harvard's respect for free speech and, and wide berth that needs to be given to promote the exchange of ideas. So before we dive into free speech and, and is calling for genocide protected under free speech, uh, or is it a violation of the policies I think we should dive into the particulars of the policies at Harvard. Uh, so I looked it up. Per Harvard's non-discrimination anti-bullying policies dated 1 September 2023. Bullying used as shorthand for hostile and abusive behavior or power-based harassment is defined here as harmful interpersonal aggression by words or actions that humiliate, degrade, demean, intimidate, or threaten an individual or individuals for a violation of the policy to occur, such aggression must be sufficiently severe and pervasive, objectively offensive, and it creates a work, educational, or living environment that a reasonable person would consider intimidating, hostile, or abusive, and denies the individual an equal opportunity to participate in the benefits of the workplace or the institution's program and activities. Examples include, and this is telling performance feedback delivered by yelling, screaming, making threats or gratuitous insults, uh, deliberate and repeated humiliation, malicious comments about a person's appearance, lifestyle, family or culture, calling for the genocide of Jews per the UN definition, 
is a list of actions committed with the intent to destroy in whole or part of a nation, ethnical, racial, or religious group. So with those definitions in place, that sounds like it meets the requirements of Harvard's bullying policy, since that speech is hostile and harmful interpersonal aggression by words or actions that humiliate, degrade, demean, intimidate, or threaten individual or individuals. This particular question by Representative Stefanik should be easy to answer yes without trying to qualify it in terms of free speech. It's clearly a violation of their policy. This is, this is easy. So my analysis is that the, this free speech equivocation seems to be a lark. It's a distraction. By their own policies, they've agreed to restrictions on free speech on their campus for students. Clearly a call for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard's policies without any special context or transitioning into conduct or having to be directed at a specific individual. Uh, so it begs the question, why was it so hard for this respected president to answer the question with an unqualified yes, since it clearly violates Harvard's policies? It's puzzling at face value and indicates that something else is going on besides what she has provided in her statements here. From, from my point of view, it, it requires a, a detailed analysis of progressive ideological thought in the frameworks to provide a theory that I think works. But that's, for, that's a discussion for another time. As a teaser, intersectionality, CRT, and a belief in power structures that label people as an oppressor or oppressed can provide uh, a reasonable explanation for why they want to provide nuanced answers. But again, uh, I would have to cover a lot of ground quickly uh, to, to make, this, make this case. Uh, for now, uh, I want to focus on free speech and its application in society. Uh, I find that when I have this discussion with people, many people don't really understand exactly what what we're talking about, when it applies or when it doesn't apply. Um, and, and I'll admit, my understanding has not always been as good as I would have liked it to be either. I, I got beat up a, a bit in uh, you know friendly arguments with friends where uh, some some ignorance was exposed. I then had to go back and do some research of all my thinking about this concept, but but that's part of the journey that we're on as liberated citizens. Uh, we're not going to know everything, and we have to engage with the material, and we have to, as we gain new information, change perspectives, maybe change opinions, maybe even change beliefs. Um, but but that's what's part of being a liberated citizen is engaging with the material and thinking thinking it through and having it marry up against what your beliefs are, what your values are, and what your culture is. So anyway, let's, let's get let's get into some facts. It's always good to review what will you know the right to freedom freedom of speech. Where does it come from? Well, the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America states, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for their redress of grievances. So while the right to free speech shall not be abridged, the Supreme Court has ruled that this does not include a right to incite eminent lawless action, make or distribute obscene materials. It also doesn't permit students to print articles in a school newspaper over the objections of the school administration or to make obscene speech at a school sponsored event or for students to advocate illegal drug use at a school sponsored event. These are all uh, decisions or parts of decisions that have been handed down by the Supreme Court. 
also, when you when you read some of these these rulings, the Supreme Court has also ruled that students do not shed their constitutional rights at the schoolhouse gate. And so, what governs it is that the you know the decision wrote that school school officials school officials must be able to show that action was caused by something more than a mere desire to avoid the discomfort and unpleasantness that always accompany an unpopular viewpoint. That conduct and that, that speech would material and substantially interfere with the requirements of appropriate discipline in the operation of the school. So despite what many people want to believe, the freedom of speech in the US is not absolute. We have more freedom of speech here in the US than other place, any other place that I know of, including Europe. But it does have its restrictions here in the US and specifically the right to free speech is geared towards preventing uh, limitations imposed by the federal government and later state governments. But in private organizations uh, or areas, uh, further restrictions can be imposed because you do not have a right to free speech since they are not a government entity. This is, this is why there can be restrictions in companies, places, businesses. And, and additionally, you can also accept limitations to your rights to free speech by joining government entities such as the military. Uh, when, when I was uh, serving, they were very, very clear on what I could not do, especially when it came to if I was in uniform or not. So and there were very, very, there were some very specific situations that I could not exercise my right to free speech. Of note, a, a growing segment of the population has started to mirror the Europe and call for the banning of hate speech, which which would reduce the freedom of speech across the country. In Europe, they are uh, they do restrict what they call hate speech, and they've defined it as public incitement to violence or hatred based on race, color, religion, descent, or national or ethnic origin. What makes it problematic in the United States is that there is no agreed upon definition of hate speech, and there's been many debates about you know, where would you draw the line? What limiting principle is there when it comes to hate speech? And it, it makes it hard to judge what is and what is not hate speech. And the founding fathers don't specifically weigh in on this topic regarding their intent, which leaves us with the specific language that they did choose to use in the amendment, which is pretty strong. Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech, and it's paraphrased. And that sounds pretty, pretty absolute. So how did we get some restrictions that are considered legal? And there's a lot of legal mumbo jumbo in diving into this topic, but I can relay in layman's terms what I have discovered. Disclaimer, this is not legal advice and I am not a lawyer. If I get this wrong, please correct me in the comments. Uh, I'm always willing to uh, admit when I'm wrong and I'm always willing to learn more. Uh, the journey for learning does not stop uh, just because uh, you think you've reached the, the end of a, an idea or concept. So generally speaking, it appears to me that speech is limited by case law and judgments by the Supreme Court when that speech is directly calling for imminent violence, threats, or breaches of the peace, or it's lewd or obscene, or even when it's considered liable. So despite these stated limitations in practice, it appears that it's very difficult to actually win a case based on these restrictions due to, you know, the actual definitions of, well, what does eminent mean? Does it, does it mean one minute? Is it, is it an hour? Is it days? Does someone actually have to be in the middle of taking action for it to be eminent? Don't know. It's these, these limitations in our understanding and definition of the language that, that really makes it kind of hard to, to really pin it down of what does, where does the restriction begin? So for the liberated citizen, what does all this mean? What is, this, what is the takeaway here? I personally believe in the freedom of speech and trend more towards uh, an absolutist stance. As I tell my kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt you. 
or me. Um, their rebuttal was, but dad, uh, word, words can hurt my feelings. Um, to which I reply, uh, if you allow words to hurt your feelings, then this is going to be, then, then life is going to be very rough on you. Um, point being that your, your feelings are going to get hurt. Uh, in a variety of ways. But the answer isn't to try to limit things from hurting your feelings by by not being exposed to it. The, the answer is to internalize the idea that what people say only matters if you let it matter. And and this is best learned as a kid when you're on, you know, at the playground park or you're on recess. Growing up and thinking that everyone's got to be nice to you, they must be nice because your feelings might get hurt. It really sets you up for failure. Hope for the best that no one will ever be mean or say true things that hurt your feelings. But in my opinion, prepare for the worst. Recognize that it's going to happen. Uh, learn to deal with it. Overcome hurt feelings and, and continue life. Don't, don't let something as silly as what someone said make you sad or upset or, and then cause you to stop living your life. Uh, that, that sounds ludicrous to me, but sorry for the tangent. Bottom line, there's no such thing as a right to not be offended or insulted, which is which is where some people want to take the, the limitations on free speech. Uh, so back to the main point. I believe it is better for people to speak their mind at the end of the day. If if you're evil and, and you're willing to say evil things or you are a terrible person, I want you to say terrible things. I want to be able to quickly identify through your speech that you're either a person I do not want to associate with or you're a person that I need to keep my eye on and be wary about. And, you know, I realize that I'm to the right of a lot of people on this because as a liberated citizen, I am prepared to uh, defend myself, my loved ones and the people around me. I, I, I do not shrink uh, from the thought of confrontation. I do not shrink from the thought of confronting evil. Uh, I did 22 years in the military and uh, I'm, I'm not afraid of what people say or think they're going to do to me. Uh, well, I refuse to live my life in fear. If, you, if you're going to threaten me, awesome. You know, I'd rather be forewarned and given a chance to prepare myself versus you thinking you can't voice it. You've got to be quiet. And, and now on top of the threat, I have to deal with an element of surprise. So I, for one, would rather have people speak in their minds. Um, you know, I, I went to Auschwitz, studied genocide uh, for for an elective uh, when I was at the uh, Command and General Staff College. And one of the key things that that you learn about genocide is that when you when you look at the pattern of genocide across the world and throughout history, people tell you what they're going to do. They say things like, "I'm going to eradicate you." They say in uh, they say dehumanizing things, um, and they they tell you what you're going to do. Take people at face value. You know, while I don't want people to do this, and, and I disagree wholeheartedly with the whole idea behind genocide. Again, if there's evil, I want it to proclaim itself. I want it to be easy to identify what the threat is, where the evil is, what do I need to be on guard against. Um, versus it going sub uh, subterranean and now uh, we have to figure out where it is, what it's doing. I believe that I don't have to like everything you say. And to be honest, uh, I've learned a lot from people who initially said some things that I didn't agree with. That That is part of the greatness of this country is conversing with people who think different things and can learn from each other. So as a liberated citizen, I would advocate 
to keep the freedom of speech as free as possible and resist any further encroachment. Uh, it's easy to advocate for restrictions in the name of civility, and, and it sounds great, but at the end of the day, uh, I think there's more disadvantages uh, to that. And part of the problems with restricting freedom is that it's very difficult to go back in the other directions. It is hard to, to become freer and it is much, much easier to become more restricted. So as liberated citizens, we need to be on the guard against encroachments, against any further encroachments, against the, the, the right to the freedom of speech. This episode only scratched the surface of free speech and its importance. I'll return to this topic uh, regularly in the future. Uh, this topic's not going away. This is one of the, the most important things to our constitutional republic that we have. Uh, we need to um, cherish and, and guard it with everything we have. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please like, follow, subscribe, comment, engage, fully exercise your right to free speech on all major platforms where you can find my content. Currently, I'm on Spotify, Podbean, uh, soon to be Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Uh, also, I have a life coaching service offered at gregstroudliberated.com, where I can help you design and live a life of purpose and meaning. Till the next episode, break free and embrace life. Links to the exchange are in the comments. Thank you. Thank you.